After days of fever, it's finally broken. You ache from head to toe. Your head pounds and throbs. A bucket sits beside the bed in case you don't make it to the toilet. Days of being weak, finally you make it to the bathroom. Staring into the mirror, your face, your hands and forearms are covered in red spots that burn even to the touch of a light breeze. Some spots have blistered over and are filled with fluid. Others have scabbed and fallen off. If you're lucky, you won't scar too badly, but those infecting your eyes are already causing your vision to blur. This disease was called smallpox, and this is the good, the bad, and the pure evil. Have you heard of smallpox? I actually find these types of stories fascinating. With our current situation from 2020, I think these stories, if anything, give some hope. So let's get into it. Smallpox is actually a pretty old disease. It's believed to have first infected people over 12,000 years ago. It has been seen on mummies which appear to have skin lesions similar to smallpox. Ramses V is one such example. He ruled back in the 12th century BC in Egypt. When he was discovered, he had what looked like to be raised bumps on his skin, again a symptom connected to smallpox. Egyptian scrolls that have been found indicate disease which could be smallpox, and clay tablets of the Hittites also described as a disease similar to smallpox. The Hittites who were Middle Eastern blamed the Egyptians for the disease and the reason for their people being infected. They, they believed this happened during a war between the two, which was 1275 BC and was called the Battle of Kadesh. The plague of Athens 430 BC was an epidemic within ancient Greece that completely destroyed Athens. The plague killed nearly 100,000 people and was about one quarter of the population at this time. It's believed that the virus came through the port. Athens definitely wasn't the only place impacted, but it was one of the worst. It hugely affected society. Law wasn't abided by and religion wasn't adhered to. The, peer, the plague even took the life of Athens' leader, Pericles. The plague would die easy. It would return to Athens in 429 BC and again in 426 BC. Some historians think smallpox caused such destruction, but other diseases could have contributed to Athens' downfall. The Antonine Plague was also thought to be smallpox related. Happening in 165 to 180 AD, it was the first known pandemic to impact the Roman Empire. It's believed to have spread by soldiers returning from the east. Deaths are estimated to be 3.5 to 7 million, including taking the life of the Roman Empire, Marcus Aurelius. All of this is th thought to have been contributed to the downfall of the Roman Empire. By the 6th century, it hit Europe. A French bishop described it as a violent fever, then patches filled with pus. If the patient survived, these patches would scab over and fall off. The disease, the disease had hit Europe, Africa, Asia, creating a trend with some people praying to a new special smallpox god or goddess. It's thought smallpox killed about 30% of those infected. If you lived, you probably were scarred for life or even ended up blind. America was the worst hit. They had little virus exposure until the arrival of the Spanish and Portuguese travellers. A sort of gift they could have done without. 
It hit the Incas and demolished the empire way before Francisco Pizarro came on the scene. He came from Spain and it made his conquest of the land so, so easy. The Aztecs were also hit. The disease killed many of the last rulers. Many historians believe that this disease was smallpox. Adding this along with other imported European diseases, thanks to explorers, the population of North and South America was reduced by 90%. There's always someone in life who dares to look outside the box, and this man was Lord Geoffrey Amherst. He was a commander-in-chief of British forces in North America. Now he was in war, French and Indian war to be precise. He seen smallpox as a possible biological weapon. So he ordered blankets to be purposely infected with smallpox and he purposely gave them to Native Americans in 1763. It was starting to be seen that a person didn't get smallpox twice. So using this knowledge, survivors soon became the carers to those sick with smallpox. Another thing seen was that people with money who could afford care on rich food actually died more often than those who were poor. Inoculation started to rise, which is called variolation. This is not the most pleasant sounding, taking pus or powdered scabs from mild patients, it is then placed on a healthy person's skin. The idea was the healthy person would become mildly infected, but would build their immunity against outbreaks down the line. Some did die, but it was much lower than if they caught it naturally without being controlled. Variolation began in Asia, Africa, spreading to Ottoman Empire in 1670, and then decades later would go on to Europe. Over to the US, you have Cotton Matter. He was a big fan of the Salem witch trials. Anyway, he also was a fan of variolation, as was the founding father Benjamin Franklin, whose son actually died from smallpox. But the violation wasn't a cure, so smallpox continued on its rampage. In the 17th and 18th century, it would kill many monarchs of Europe, such as Habsburg's Emperor Joseph I, Queen Mary II of England, Caesar Peter II, King Louis XV of France. It would also kill Ethiopian kings, Chinese emperors, and two emperors of Japan. It is also known to have affected Queen Elizabeth I and Abraham Lincoln. It really wasn't a choosy infection, taking 400,000 lives in Europe each year. 1796, we are finally making headway. English doctor Edward Jenner came up with an experiment and this would be the armour needed to fight the virus and killing the monster once and for all. He found a milkmaid with cowpox. Yes, cowpox, it's an actual disease and a close cousin to smallpox. Now maybe don't eat for the next part, but he inserted the pus from the milkmaid's cowpox into the eight-year-old of a healthy boy. This boy was then affected with smallpox using the violation method, which resulted in no symptoms. So Jenner was able to protect, just creating the world's first successful vaccine. The word vaccine he also coined himself. Euphoric, he wanted to publish this and share this news with the world and chose the Royal Society to publish it. But it was early days and people were iffy when it came to new meds, so the Royal Society basically said to him don't bother, and that he'd be a laughing stock if he did. He didn't care and wanted to publish anyway. The vaccine slowly but surely gained notoriety and soon proved even better against the virus, as a vaccinated person was seen to not spread smallpox to others. 
It also proved rarely fatal, only in very rare circumstances. President Thomas Jefferson of the US was so impressed he wrote to Jenner in 1806. Congratulating, he said, future generations will know by history only that smallpox existed, and by you has been extirpated. In 1807, the German Bavaria declared it mandatory to have this vaccine, and by 1910, Denmark did the same. At first, the vaccine had to be transferred from arm to arm, so it was slow going. It also wasn't great in heat, so in hot countries, it wasn't so as effective. But the world was trying. Country after country eventually stomped the disease out. The last known case in the US was in 1949. As technology improved, so did the vaccine. A heat-stable, free-dried vaccine emerged. And the WHO, I'm sure you all know by now, but in case not, the World Health Organization began a campaign in 67 for global immunization to wipe out smallpox. That year, the WHO estimated 10 to 15 million cases with 2 million deaths. But just 10 years later, these numbers dropped to zero. The last known naturally contracted person was in 1977 while working at a Somalia hospital. Now there was a lab accident in 1978 in England with a smallpox connection and a person did die but the smallpox wasn't naturally contracted. Finally, after all research and data collecting from all over the world, the WHO announced in May 8, 1980, smallpox was eradicated. Today there are two labs, one in Atlanta and one in Moscow, that houses the smallpox virus. Always a split opinion, some people believe it should be fully destroyed, while others see it beneficial to keep it, just in case something similar emerges again. Although a horrible disease, it was a huge step for the world. In the words of the WHO, this demonstrated how nations working together in a common case may further human progress. Thanks for listening. Next time I'll be talking about the madman Robert Mosley or Hannibal the Cannibal. Until next time, this is the good, the bad and the pure evil.